Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? I am fine, although I'm struggling. I need some advice. I don't know if it's just this modern world, but I just sense when I'm going to text somebody, right? I, I compose text. There may be several lines to it, but whatever. I compose the text, the complete message I want to send them, and I send it. But increasingly, I'm getting messages from other people that are just sort of one sentence or one line, followed then a few minutes later by another one, and then another one. And I'm sitting there, when do you respond? Do you wait until then there is silence for five minutes and you know that they've sent all their messages? And do you do one rounding up text message back? Or do you then start responding to one and then they say they respond with a different message, but that relates to something else? I'm very confused. Is this me being old fashioned? What is going on? I thought we could just do paragraphs in text messages, not lines anymore. It's not even sentences. There are no full stops going on. I feel like I'm waffling and I think I need to stop and just talk about books. But anyway, does anyone else feel like that? Or is it just me? You know, probably is just me feeling old and grumpy. But there you go. Now, we have a bit of a week for you this week because we have some really good books to talk to you about. We've got a very interesting author interview. We've got a book box on opening that's come all the way from the US. There's so much to tell you about. Um, so I'm just going to tell you all the different books and then we'll get on to the author we're going to interview. So the first book we're going to talk about is um, coming out now and it's written by Sarah Pierce and it's called The Sanatorium. Very interesting. You're going to want to hear about that. The next one is also coming out this month um, and it's by Geetha Lodge and it's called Lie Beside Me. Now, um, any fans of the podcast will know about Geetha and her books are superb. So it's going to be very exciting to talk to you about this, her latest one. Then we've got The Dark Angel by Ellie Griffiths. Um, I know I talk about Ellie too much, but I'm working my way through her books and I love them. And I seem to remember saying, well, I certainly said it to myself, whether I said it on this podcast or not, I don't know, that I was going to take it more slowly, that I wasn't going to rush through Ellie's books too quickly because I really wanted to savour them. But the last time I finished one of her books, I took it to my parents to lend it to them, well, pushed it through the letterbox in, in these times. 
And normally it's many weeks, if not months, until I get a sniff of a book being returned. Well, that one had been read by both of them and was returned to me within a few days. So I thought, oh, you know what? They need more. They need more Ellie Griffiths. I need more Ellie Griffiths. So I read the next one. And that's going to be very exciting to talk to you about. Now, then we've got something very interesting, um, a new mid-grade book that's coming out called Beauty in the Bin by Joanna Connell. Um, and then we've got a book called Smokescreen, and it's actually by two uh, authors, Horse and Enger, um, and that's out as well this month. That was a very interesting translation. And finally, by no means least, there's a book called Firewatching by Russ Thomas, and it's actually been out a while, and I know I try to include books that aren't just newly published because it can be hard sometimes to get copies of those books. Um, and uh, Firewatching is a very interesting book, and I'm hoping to have the next one that's due out any time now uh, to read for next week. So there's lots to talk about, as there always is. So let's start with The Sanatorium, written by Sarah Pierce. Sarah is very kindly um, coming on. Now, just so you know, in my discussions with Sarah, we have identified a slight issue in that we have no video. We only have audio. And although, yes, don't worry, I do, <laughs> do realise that with the podcast, it is only audio, but it's... I love being able to see the authors. Sadly for them, they can see me as well. But it, I think it just makes a conversation easier because you can just see each other and it just helps. If I'm going on and on, they, they might see that there is actually a purpose to what I'm saying. And I don't know, I, I just find it really interesting. So it was such a shame that I couldn't see Sarah. And I don't know if it's going to affect the interview. So again, be interested to, to hear what you think about that. But she's got so many interesting things to say. I think it'll be fine. Um, the Sanatorium is quite a book. There's been a lot of uh, book chatter about it and I thought it was really good. Let, let me read you the blurb. Um, Everyone's in danger. Anyone could be next. An imposing, isolated hotel high up in the Swiss Alps is the last place Ellen Warner wants to be. But she's taken time off from her job as a detective. So when she receives an invitation out of the blue to celebrate her estranged brother's recent engagement, she has no choice but to accept. Arriving in the midst of a threatening storm, Ellen immediately feels on edge. Though it's beautiful... Something about the hotel, recently converted from an abandoned sanatorium, makes her nervous, as does her brother Isaac. And when they wake the following morning to discover his fiancée Laura has vanished without a trace, Ellen's unease grows. With a storm cutting off access to and from the hotel, the longer Laura stays missing, the more the remaining guests start to panic. And then it says, but no one has realised yet that another woman has gone missing and she's the only one who could have warned them just how much danger they're all in. Um, so it's a thriller and it's set in modern times, but in this very high spec hotel in the Swiss Alps, the sort of place you think, oh, that sounds lovely. I'd love to go there. And then things happen and you think, hmm. Actually, I don't think I'll go there. I think the trip advisor reviews 
would be pretty bad for this hotel. Um, it's quite a scary, uneasy book. Not because, It's not a horror, but it, it just builds up that tension. The fact that they're unable to get out because of the snow, they're stuck in. Um, the pace is building, you know there's a murder, you know there's some sinister story and it's just how all the pieces add up. I thought it was done very well. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a really interesting book. So I think we should talk to Sarah now and hear what she has to say. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me on. Well, I just really wanted to talk about this exceptional book I mean I I enjoyed it so much my first question Thank is you. going to be very obvious I'm afraid but I've yeah. got to ask it how did you get the idea for this this glorious book well I think the idea of setting a book in the Alps it's something I've actually thought about for a little while I lived in Switzerland for several years uh, when I was in my 20s and I started writing short fiction during that time so short stories and I'd actually written one short story um, that was sort of very light-hearted set in the mountains but I always had an idea that I wanted to write something a little bit darker mm. but it was only really when I, I came about um, an article in a magazine um, about the legacy of sanatoria in Transmontana which is the town we were visiting at the time um, and it really sparked the idea. It was a fascinating article explaining exactly how um, the, the town's tourism industry started. And I think a lot of people tend to think it sort of started with skiing and kind of winter sports. But in Kranzmontana, it was actually around the medical industry. So uh, a doctor, a local doctor, actually had a small hotel um, and had the idea of, of setting up a tuberculosis sanatoria there. Um, and he actually he actually set up several um, sanatoriums in the town, which were hugely popular. Mm. Um, and yeah, I read the article. I thought how fascinating that it was. That was the legacy of the town and the history. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I I did a lot of research. Actually, there was a fascinating book um, by a local um, photo historian who has written a lot about the history of sanatorium. Had lots of photographs um, of sanatoria, and I thought it was would be a fascinating place to set a novel. Oh, gosh, yes, absolutely. And I was wondering how you managed um, the sort of sense of it being, it's very sinister, but it's not too sinister. I mean, I'm not very good yeah. with ultra scary books. <laughs> um, and it manages to tread that fine line very, very well. Was that something that you were conscious of? Yeah, I personally don't like reading anything. I think it's interesting you said you found it, it kind of trod the line, because I think I've had a few readers saying they found it very graphic. But I think from my perspective, and in terms of sort of the sinister, creepy aspect, I think a lot of that actually comes from your own imagination. And I think that was something I wanted to capture, rather than um, it be something graphic. I think it's fascinating that people have said that, but I think that's the pictures they're painting in their own minds, which has come from the novel. Um, I think there's a, a story I love, a, a ghost story by Michelle Paver called Thin Air. And I think she does that very, very well in there, where she... It suggests things and I think as a reader you're taking on that journey and you're filling in the gaps in your own mind and I think that's what I wanted to do with the book I didn't want to have anything that was too dark but the suggestion of that and I think that's actually can be a lot more powerful and, and that's very interesting because I think when I listen to something like this on an audiobook um yeah I get a I get a lot more scared because if I'm feeling uneasy I can't just 
pick up the pace in reading and and, and yes. get through it yeah. you're fully exposed and and um you know it's like the music in a film you can hear the narrator's voice um but yeah i i don't think it, this this was too graphic at all i mean it had it had all the components that you would need to build the pressure yeah. up um but i i felt it you handled it you handled it really well and as you say it's it's down to our imagination i suppose what sort of day we're having when when we read it as to uh what we draw from it the other thing i liked about it um is that you've got a cast of characters and sometimes i struggle to identify who each character is and what role they play yeah. and it actually detracts from my enjoyment of the story because i'm having to work so yes, hard yeah. to remember them um and i i didn't have that at all with yours they were all very distinct individuals right again yeah. was that something that you were wary of as you were writing it it was and i think when I was looking at kind of how did how from whose viewpoint was the novel from, and obviously I had in mind Ellen initially, and then you obviously have the viewpoint of the of the of the cleaner in the hotel. But I was conscious of not wanting to have too many points of view, but at the same time very kind of clearly evoke each character. And I did that to be honest by really sort of fleshing out each character beforehand. And I had very clearly in my mind Lucas, the owner of the hotel. Um, and Cecile, his sister. And I think I really had those characters very clearly in my own mind before I started to write. And I don't think I could have done it in any other way, really. I think if you're, if you're not, if you're unsure about those characters, I think that does come across, it can be quite muddled in the narrative. So when you had the, the sort of concept of the story to write, were the characters very much up there at the beginning rather you know I suppose my question is more was it character driven the idea or concept driven of the location as you did all the research yeah it probably I, I would say the characters came after I did the initial research because after I sort of read about the history of of, of the sanatoria in the area and done that research it, it led me actually into looking a lot of about the architecture within the region and looking at the architecture and design um Crans Montana and, and the area as a whole has quite um a range of hotels so you kind of have the very traditional alpine hotels and very modern hotels mm. and once I'd actually started researching the sort of modern style and the interior design and the architecture the idea of the characters very much came from there there was actually a lot of um uh, articles I read around various hotel owners and quite a few interesting characters actually um who've who've started hotels in the Alps and that's where the character of Lucas came from and then yeah it very much flowed organically from there so I'm just interested in when you had the the vision of how it was going to end, if that came yeah. to you at the start of the book or if it was actually during the process of writing that you realised how this book was going to, to end. Yeah, and I actually had the idea um, very much at the beginning of the book um, when I done my research into the sanatoria and also some of the psychological aspects of sanatoria in Switzerland at the time um, that very much gave me the idea for the ending and I think to be honest in terms of the plotting if I hadn't known who had done it I would have stumbled with that plotting and I think I, there's a lot of twists and turns within the narrative um, and without knowing who had done it I personally I don't think I could have been able to write it in the way that I had so yeah it was very much from the beginning. Yes, I mean, I, I agree with that. It's a very tightly written, packed book, really. Um, the, there's so much depth to it as, as well. Uh, I'm interested, Would might there be a, another book based on, I'm only going to say, 
some of the characters is that something you have in mind or is that not going to happen yeah no I'm actually working on um book two at the moment which actually features Ellen but coming back uh to Devon so coming back to the UK so it'll it'll very much feature um Ellen and and Will oh super oh great well that that will be very interesting because clearly there's a a story to to continue. Um, I know you've done creative writing as well, I believe so. How yeah. important do you think that has been in approaching this this epic piece of uh, piece of work? Yeah, I think it was hugely important. I did the English and creative writing degree course at Warwick. Uh, it was actually the first year of the degree course at the time, and I think everything I've learned on that course in terms of writing, um, particularly writing description, um, and then also character developments. And also I think one of the big, biggest kind of things I learned from the course is, is how one of something our tutor said at the very beginning, which is kind of absorbing uh, the world around you as you go about kind of life. And I think one of the things they said to us, whether you write now or write in 10 years, uh, really take with you that kind of examining the detail of, of life. And I mm. think in writing this book and even in writing my short fiction, that's something I've really, really taken on board um, is looking at the detail. And I think that really makes for good description as well as good character development. So yeah, I think it's been hugely important. And that comes through, I think, in the book, in the descriptions. I mean, the snow is um, it, it's a brilliant device to use, but it's the way you use it. It's not just how it looks, but it's how it affects oh, sounds and um, yeah. sort of echoes and noises. I, I thought that was very atmospheric. Did you enjoy writing it or did it feel like just something you, you had to do it? it? Just you were compelled to write it? Yeah, no, I think I think description for me is actually one of my favourite things to do. And I think I love reading books personally that are very atmospheric. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something I really enjoy writing. And it wasn't just in the landscape. I think it was in the actual architecture of the hotel. As I said, I was very much inspired by a, a, a modern hotel in Crans Montana, which has been converted from a, a, an abandoned gondola station. Um, and wow. they very much created that. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful to look at. Absolutely beautiful. And they have a vast kind of glass, expanse of glass at the front where the gondolas went in and out. Um, and it's hugely atmospheric. And I'm generally fascinated by kind of repurposed buildings in general. I love things that have been converted and are very modern from an old setting. Um, yeah, and I think I wanted to create that sense, not only with the external landscape, but the internal landscape. So the inside of the hotel, that clinical feel, which I think echoes the snow, as you mentioned at the beginning anyway. Mm. So, yeah, that was yeah, that was key. And I really it's one of the things yeah, I enjoy the most. It's a bit of push and pull, because in some ways I thought, oh, gosh, this sounds like an incredible place. I'd love, you know, I'd love to stay <laughs> there. And, and then as you're reading, you think, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whether you would or not. <laughs> maybe not but I, I think that's very interesting because you're challenging the reader you know you're setting out this amazing place and then um uh, putting the macabre yeah. <laughs> elements yes I don't think you're going to be employed by the travel industry uh any time no. but I think that's a fascinating thing actually with with repurposed buildings because as I was reading lots of articles about 
you know, different things that have been converted. You've had buildings converted from churches, you know, schools, various, various buildings. And I do, I am a big believer. And I think I like to think there's something bubbling beneath the surface mm. of everyday life. I, I, I do think buildings do hold a certain kind of energy of what they once were. So yeah, that was something I really wanted to bring in. It really captured my imagination. But yeah, I think I would definitely have question marks myself over stay <laughs> somewhere like that. I used to work in a converted church and there were about, I don't know, yeah. 150 of us in, in the building and that was fine. But when you when you were the last person there in the dark, the noises <laughs> oh. and uh, the HR director was often the last person in and she, she would be found with a pair of scissors at her side because she was just so... <laughs> scared so yeah so I, I know what you, you mean. found that neary yeah yeah the not and particularly around the font which was still there it, it oh wow yes everybody yeah. was um yes it, it nobody worked late in that office arrived very early but but nobody worked late but nobody <laughs> nobody volunteered to work late yeah. no exactly all too scared um but never mind how long did it take you to write the book as a as a whole oh I think from end to end, it was probably around 18 months. Yeah, so uh, not not hugely long, but definitely longer than I've had for writing the second one. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think you. I, there was a lot of periods of in-between, kind of downtime as well, where I was thinking about the book. And I think that definitely helped um, in terms of the plotting because it's quite an involved book. Um, and I had lots of elements that, actually ended up to be honest being cut out in the final version um that when I went through the drafting process there were things definitely that I removed and as I said I was I was toying with um experimenting from different characters points of view um so yeah end to end really probably 18 months perhaps two years if you include the kind of thinking process I would say and listeners are always very intrigued by your publishing story you know how did you get an yeah. agent and, and and how was that may I ask how, how that process was for you yeah no that's absolutely fine yeah so I'd been writing short fiction so I think one of the things I think I'd, I've mentioned about the course was the tutors yeah. are very much go and live and, and live life and so I'd worked and as I said I'd lived out in Switzerland but I really knew I always wanted to come back to the writing so I started writing short stories um, and I had them published luckily enough to be published in a sort of variety of online things magazines uh, mislexia I don't know if you know the yeah. women's writing magazine um, and I really thought yeah this is something I, I want to go for now at this kind of stage of my life um, yeah and then I had an idea for a novel um, and I approached um, several agents via the normal sort of slush pile process um, yeah and I was lucky enough to have offers from a few of those um, that was the first novel. That novel didn't quite work out for various reasons. Um, and I started wo working with my agent now on the second novel, which would become the sanatorium. So, yeah. Gosh, so you have gone through a bit of a of a battle. You know, you, you'd written your first Definitely. book. And, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I learned hugely from that book. I think um, when you go into writing a novel and, and for me, it was obviously so different because I was really enjoying the form of, of short fiction. I'd very much kind of got a process of how I worked. Um, and it's very much I think short fiction could be a little more like poetry. You create kind of a mm. snapshot of an emotion or a feeling. And I think taking that into a novel is quite a daunting process. And I was very open to the fact it was going to be a big learning curve. And I think with the second one, I was a lot more disciplined in terms of structure. And I think that's something that actually on my creative writing degree course, that's the only thing I would say. I think, I don't think particularly 
with the kind of things we were writing, the structure was perhaps focused on in the way that I realised in order to be kind of commercially successful that it needed to be. And I think that is the huge learning curve. I think structure is so important. Um, All of the other elements in terms of description and character development, you can kind of fit around that. But I do really believe you need that skeleton beforehand. I know some people don't write to that, but I think for me... I'm in the danger of my imagination taking me to lots of different places. And as yeah. you said, with the description, for example, I think you could get, you know, carried away with that, et cetera, if you don't have that kind of very uh, clear idea of where you're going with the book. Before I did the podcast, I always thought, you know, the hardest part was writing the book. And then when when you'd finished and, and typed the end, that, that was yeah. it, all the work was done. And I find it yeah. incredible that, first of all, you have to accept so many layers of edits. I mean, I don't know how you, how you do that. And, and the fact that someone like you has written a whole book and you've had to put that onto one side and yet still carry on and learn from that. And oh, come- yeah, I was very philosophical, I would say, about writing that kind of first book because I said it was so new to me I didn't have kind of maybe sort of six or seven I know some people have you know start maybe in their 20s and have six or seven kind of novels on the back burner that was my first novel I'd really only concentrated on writing short fiction I had my two daughters and it, and, and as I said it for me at that time that very much worked for me um, having the short story so I was very philosophical in the sense that I knew other authors before me maybe had six or seven novels that didn't work but yeah it is it is quite a bruising process because you put your heart and soul into that book Mm. but I do think there are elements of the characters in the first book interestingly that I've carried through into the sanatorium so yeah I would definitely say that nothing is wasted in that sense yeah has anything surprised you about the publishing world that you weren't aware of before you got so involved yeah I would probably say how in how many people are involved in the process and I I I don't think until you're in that process do you realize I've I've heard other writers say that before I didn't realize you know from your publicist to uh, the copy editor etc I think I really didn't know how many people were involved in the amount of work that everybody is putting in I think I very much thought it was that collaborative relationship you might have with your editor I didn't quite realize how many other people are involved in the process and yeah that has been a surprise to me I have to say the book is being published this Thursday. Um, is it very exciting to see it all come to this point? Yeah, no, hugely exciting. I think it's quite a surreal process because, again, I one thing I hadn't realised as well, which was a surprise from the process, is how long it is from when you sign to when the book actually gets published. So, yeah, I mean, you have you have moments. It's hugely exciting now, but there are moments when you know, not much seems to happen. Then you have sort of frantic moments with the edit. So yeah, to to get to this stage, it feels very real and very exciting. So yeah. Fantastic. So do you walk around with a big flouncy scarf and say, I'm an author now, is that? I'm an author, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or something something jorbed on the forehead. (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. Well, I hope everyone else enjoys the book as much as I did and can't wait for the next one, Sarah. Thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Philippa. Well, that was very interesting, wasn't it? Thanks, Sarah, for for coming on. Um, a great book, and it's going to be published this Thursday, as is a lot of books I'm talking to you about. So it's a big publication week. Um, so Lie Beside Me by Geetha Lodge. That's another book that's coming out this Thursday. Uh, the blurb is this. You wake up, your head is pounding, your mouth is dry, and you can't remember a thing. All you know is that the man in your bed is not your husband, and he isn't breathing.
Um, I, I I absolutely love this book. I thought it was sensational. I think, sorry, I'm getting the piece of uh, paper out that just tells me. Where, uh, yes, it's coming out in hardback. That's what I wanted to to just check. Um, it's this extraordinary book. You've got the Detective Jonas Sheens. Again, this is the third in the series and we love a good series, don't we? Um, and it's just, it just really moves on the story of Jonah and his team and also this great mystery and you just don't know how it's all going to work out. Um, and you've got this this girl, uh, Louise, and, and she just can't remember what's happened. She knows something awful has happened, but what is it? And it's when she rolls over to look at her husband and realises, first of all, it's not him and he's not breathing and it's just trying to work out what's gone on and of course she's the prime suspect because she's lying next to a dead body but what is she hiding what are other people hiding and it it was this interlacing of clues I just thought it was really good I mean Geetha really can can write and I just I don't like every series that's available at the moment but the Jonas Sheen's ones I really do like I thought it was great it had me gripped um it surprised me and it was one that I wanted to pick up straight away because I just know Geetha's such an accomplished author. And it, as I say, it's another book that's out this week. So you've got quite a few to choose from. Um, but if crime series is, is your bag, then I think Lie Beside Me is is one you're really going to well, you're going to enjoy so much. I certainly did. Um, it just kept me biting my nails, you know, just thinking, how is this going to work out? And that's what I love in a crime book. So Lie Beside Me by Geetha Lodge. And that's out. Sorry, put that down. That's out this Thursday as well. Um, now, one book that isn't out this Thursday that was out a few years ago is The Dark Angel by Ellie Griffiths. And what sort of book would you like to read about during deep winter? One of your favourite characters, in, in my case, Dr Ruth Galloway, going away to Italy. Um, and I really did enjoy it. I know some people say, oh, no, I only want to read about summer places when it's summer. No, for me, it, it made it even more joyful to read about Ruth in this uncomfortable heat and experiencing the sort of the sand and grit between her toes and just for her to have a holiday. It it felt like a bit of a holiday for, for me. And I really enjoyed this one. It's obviously part of the Ruth Galloway series. Um, and the blurb is, yes, OK, so she's off on a working holiday to Italy. But the hilltop village of Castello degli Angeli, and, and this is where you'll discover that my Italian is worse than all the other languages that I can't pronounce, but anyway that this village holds secrets as dark as any buried in the Norfolk marshes. Italian archaeologist Dr Morelli has unearthed a 2,000-year-old grave with a difference. The skeleton inside has a mobile phone. He persuades Ruth to come to Italy to investigate his impossible find. When DCI Harry Nelson follows, Ruth is determined not to be distracted. Then a shocking murder rocks Castello degli Angeli. Whatever mysteries lie in the village's past, someone will kill to protect them. This is a cracking book. I mean, it's another crime series. Uh, Ellie Griffiths, as far as I'm concerned, can do no wrong. She could, you know, write something with her eyes closed about... She could write about the pandemic and I'd read it. That That's how good an author she is. And this book, for me, just did it. You pick the book up and immediately 
you know where you are with these characters, these gorgeous characters. And I just thought the whole um, concept was great. I loved the different locations. I loved what the development with some of the characters. I'm not going to say any more. Um, and it's just the, the, the use of words are just so good, so talented. So, yes, I know I've said it before and I'm going to keep on, I'm afraid. But yeah, um, the, the Dark Angel by Ellie Griffiths. Now, I think it's number nine in the series, but I'm if you could see my face, it's all butched up sort of in, in query and concern, not knowing the answer to that question. It is some way into the series. Again, if you're given this book and you think, well, this is the only book I've got of Ellie Griffiths, read it, enjoy it. Um, yes, you're missing out on some of the character developments of, of some of the longer term characters. But if it means you you get into the world of Ellie Griffiths, then then fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy it. Um, I loved it. Yeah. Dark Angel, Ellie Griffiths. Now, the next book is very interesting. It's interesting because it's a great book. It's mid-grade. It's very fresh, I think. But it's also written by somebody that um, that I know. Not a, not a best friend, but someone who I used to speak to um, when she was a journalist. And we would compare stories of how we would work and how we would interview people um, when we were having to look after our young children. And I do seem to remember Joanne telling me a story of how she had to do an in an interview. And she's got two girls, if memory serves me right. And she actually had to go and hide in their Wendy house and conduct the interview there. Um, I do remember that. Whereas I often had to conduct my interviews and discussions and um, talks with clients uh, from, a, from a locked toilet, um, that was a place of safety. It's just all sorts of things. Not that you have to do them every day, but, you know, it's just it's just the funny things that stick in your mind. So but this is not about being locked in a toilet or a Wendy house. Uh, Joanne O'Connell has been on a mission, quite rightly, to get us all being more environmental, um, to spend less, to shop less, all sorts. And she's a real warrior for that, which is great. And she's taken this into mid-grade fiction. And I thought it was Absolutely brilliant. And I say that, you know, I've been honest that that I, I know of Joanne from times past. Um, but I would I would tell you if if I didn't think the book was any good or put it like this. I think you'd be able to tell from what I said. But I thought this was great because it uh, you've got these characters, but they're not typical mid grade characters. They're they're different. They're not what you expect. Um, OK, Philippa, read the blurb. Right. So, again, what I like is it's done in a bit of a way of a recipe. So, ingredients. Laurie's eco-warrior family with very strong views. Charlie, the most popular girl in school, scarily cool. Method. Whisk together Laurie's homemade beauty products with Charlie's ambition to win and you have the perfect mix for Silverdale's High's best new business with a difference, beauty in the kitchen. As the competition builds and your social status soars, stir in some family embarrassment, sprinkle on some friendship trouble and heat until boiling point. Note, remember not to tell anyone you get your ingredients from the bin. Um, so this book is also out on Thursday of this week and I thought I thought it's great. It's definitely if you've got anyone who's a, a reader of mid-grade fiction, I think this is something that they need to read because it educates you, but it's not done in a really patronising way. So you just learn as the story goes along without having it sort of rammed down your throat, if, if that if that makes sense. 
Um, I thought it was well written, good characters, good pace. It's it's not a crime or a thriller, but it has the twists and turns that I just really enjoy in the story. Um, and I thought it was an absolute pleasure to read. A really good mid-grade fiction. I love the themes about recycling. Um, and as I say, I've written here, it's not educational, um, but in doing so, it, it, it is educational because it's not sort of grabbing you by the throat and saying, you must learn about all of this. It just tells it by way of a good story. So, if you are a reader of mid-grade fiction, if you know someone who is, um, then I think this is a, a really good book. And it's a shame we're past Christmas because it's a great book to buy as a present. Um, but we've got Easter coming up um, and might be a birthday. And I think it would be a great gift because they may not have heard about it, but it's a really good read. So there we go. Beauty in the Bin, mid-grade. Don't say I don't do a selection. Uh, now, the next one is Smokescreen um, by Jean-Lier Horst and Thomas Enger. Um, oh, I thought this was really, really good. Uh, translated fiction. Excellent. Anyway, let, let's read the blurb before I go on too much about how brilliant this book is. Oslo, New Year's Eve. The annual firework celebration is rocked by an explosion and the city is put on terrorist alert. Police officer Alexander Blix and blogger Emma Ram are on the scene. And when a severely injured survivor is pulled from the icy harbour, she is identified as the mother of two-year-old Patricia Smeplas, who was kidnapped on her way home from kindergarten 10 years earlier and never found. Blix and Ram join forces to investigate the unsolved case as public interest heightens, the terror threat is raised and it becomes clear that Patricia's disappearance is not all that it seems. So I've written here hard-hitting translated fiction. Um, I love the combination of a police officer and a blogger as a duo, and I absolutely did. It's very hard, I think, when you're writing crime fiction and if you've got two main characters, how you work that. Usually one um, is the boss of, of the other. And I just love that the combination of the, the blogger and the police officer and very much of this time. Um, I think you've got, you've got, I've written good terror and uh, with an unsolved case. What I mean by that is it's it's not one that you won't be able to sleep about, sleep uh, having read, um, but it's one that's going to keep you very much concerned for what for what's going to happen. And the Scandinavian feel I just thought was punchy. Um, I thought it's a good read. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're into translated fiction, if you like something a bit different, then I think you would really enjoy that book. And then finally, we come on to this wonderful other book. I, I mean, there's so many wonderful books that I've been talking to you about today. I don't know where to start. But anyway, I should start somewhere, shouldn't I? Um, but it's just this gorgeous book called Firewatching by Russ Thomas. Um, and again, I've seen a lot of people talking about it, but I hadn't read it. So I thought, Philippa, the next book is coming out. Let's read Fire Watching so we're up to date, so we know where we are. So Fire Watching is the first in, hopefully, a series. Um, and it, as I say, it's written by Russ Thomas. Um, OK, let's read the blurb. One wrong move will ignite the city. A body is found bricked into a wall of the old vicarage. From the state of the hands, it's clear the dead man was buried alive. When the man is connected to an old missing persons case, Detective Sergeant Adam Tyler is called. After an incident, Tyler needs this case to go well in order to prove himself and get his career back on track. But he soon discovers that he has a connection 
into the case that hopelessly compromises him. He makes the snap decision not to tell his superiors, certain that he is the only one that can solve the crime. Now Tyler must move carefully to find out the truth without destroying the case or himself. Meanwhile, someone in the city knows exactly what happened to the body. Someone who is watching Tyler closely. Someone with an unhealthy obsession with fire. Now, I read this book on, on the Kindle. And I'm not paid by Kindle or Amazon, although that would be very helpful if, if I was. Um, so I am going to try, I know I've said before, but I am going to try and read more books, some books on the Kindle, just because I think I'm getting so many books sent. Um, there's a lot for the poor postman to deliver and it, I can't pass them on very easily at the moment to everyone, although I've got some people I can leave book parcels for. The bookshelves are getting very full. Um, and I thought, well, I'm not going to do it for lots of books, but for some books. Every week I'm going to do my bit and try and just get uh, an e-book, but also support our authors in other ways. So that is what is occurring. With this book, I... You know how I always used to say that when I read ebooks, I'm not as into it, I'm not as involved. Well, I was with this one because when I finished reading the book, my son came in and said, Mummy, what's what's going on? What's the matter? And I was just sat there stunned. I said, oh, my goodness, I didn't see that happening. Um, so this book has a really good twist and turn. I did find it hard to get into, um, but I think that was my fault. It's not it's not a Jack and Jill book. It's not a sit down and the ABCs of crime. You, you have to... Um, give it some attention, some focus, which I wasn't really doing as I was reading it. So I had to stop and start again. I really enjoyed it. And I I can't wait to read more to find out what happens with, with the characters. Um, it was a very interesting crime and the clues were set out in a very good way. It, basically, if you're into crime and you're, you're looking for another author, Russ Thomas is, is one to go for. I thought it was a very good book it's um it's a grown-up book and it requires some focus and attention um but that's no that's no bad thing and i thought it was really good um really gripped me and once i got into it i really enjoyed it and, and like the sort of the different characters as well it's very intriguing so yeah that's definitely one i'd recommend as well i think that i've gone through quite a few so shall we just do a little recap on the old books that i've that i've mentioned because there have been a few so obviously i've just talked about fire watching by russ thomas really enjoyed it we've had the sanatorium by sarah pierce um this sort of thriller set in uh, set in the alps that was very good lie beside me by geetha lodge love that book really good um the dark angel by ellie griffiths love that book as well it's a bit of a theme here beauty in the bin by joanna connell love that book too that's a mid-grade book uh, smoke screen by horse and Enger. very good interesting read um yes how many is that six books that's an awful lot so i'm going to stop now although actually i do have a book box opening that i'm going to do um but apart from that i'm going to stop so so if you stuck with me up to now thank you so much you don't have to listen to the unboxing if you don't want to um but if you'd like to let's open the box now 
Right, so this is very exciting. So as you know, I sometimes do book subscription boxes. I, I open them up on the podcast and see what goodies are inside. Well, this is one unlike no other. This box has come from America. Uh, I record these in England and this box has traversed its way from America for me. And I cannot wait to open it. It's, called, it's by a company called Lit Joy Crate. Um, and it's their monthly box. I believe it's uh, December's. Um, and so I'm waiting until I put this out just to make sure nobody has any spoiled surprises because I certainly know myself. It's just a surprise of discovering what's in the box. And if you see someone's photos of what they've had or heard someone talking about it, it does spoil the surprise. So I've uh, really held back opening this one. Um, but I'm very excited because... Oh, well, a lot of listeners to this podcast are based overseas, particularly in, in the US, but elsewhere around, around the whole world, which is amazing. So I thought it's worth seeing what book box subscription boxes are like in other parts of the world. And also these the Litjoy Crate guys are supposed to be the absolute pros at this. So I thought, well, come on. Let, let's have a go. So there's a it's a, a blue box with Lit Joy Crate on and then it's got um, some drawings round the box. It's got a cup of tea, open book, um, a mug of coffee, a unicorn, a rainbow, another book, another candle. Um, and it just has there just says Lit Joy Crate on that. So I'm going to open it. It feels very full. It really does feel very full. Oh, so inside, on the inside of the box, it all says, um, you know, sh share the joy, share the love, share the joy. Oh, just wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Right. I, my eyes are just going everywhere. You know, like if someone says, right, you can go in the shop, but you've only got two minutes and you've got to go out again. And it's a shop with incredible things that you're really interested in. That's how this feels. Um, so forgive me if my attention is taken away. But OK, so. First of all, we've got some socks, some Riverdale high socks, which is amazing. And there's no cheat sheet. There is no cheat sheet here. So um, we've got Riverdale socks. They're navy blue, very snugly socks. And then we've got some scrunches. Now, one scrunchie is sort of mustard yellow. It's got stars on. Another one is red and has the Eiffel Tower on. And another one is green and has roses on. Now, possibly I should know what all that means, but I don't, so I'm just gonna keep going. There was a theme to this one and I can't remember what the theme was. So now in some bubble wrap, there is a cardboard box. So I'm gonna take the cardboard box out of the bubble wrap. Who knew such a thing could be done? And I'm opening the cardboard box and inside is a mug. It, there is a mug so let's take it oh no no it's not a mug it's like a little espresso cup oh how wonderful I'm sorry for all the noise I think I just banged the microphone as well in my excitement so sorry about that um oh it's the most gorgeous cup and the rim is sort of slanted and it's oh it's all sort of like Disney characters it must be um because there's the apple um, from Snow White. There's a sparkly shoe, which must be Cinderella. And then there's a gown, which could be any... Effort. Oh, is that Red Riding Hood? Anyway, I don't know. It's got a silver handle. It, it all looks... It's silver around the edge. It looks lovely. I'm, I'm in. And then next to it, there is another box. Oh, there's another box. 
uh, wrapped up in, in bubble wrap. So if I push that away and then open up the box, the box has stamped on it, Lit Joy Crate. And I'm wondering, is this a saucer? It is. It's, oh my goodness. It's a saucer with um, different uh, shapes of the moon that you get and a crown. So if I just, and it's sort of like this purple edged in silver. Let me just put that there. <gasps> that is absolutely beautiful. So let's move that round. Sorry, sorry, sorry for all the noise. Um, now the next thing, what do we have here? This is, so this, it's, this looks like a coffee scoop. It has to be. But it's also got some very strange sort of clip on the side, like a like a Kirby glip or I don't know, something very... Oh, I see. So you can clip this scoop to like a cup or something. I'm not sure. But it says on it, just coffee, black like my soul. Um, That's a lovely coffee scoop. I, I, I'm sure it would give you a very well-proportioned cup of coffee for that. Um, Next is a lovely clipboard and paper. That looks beautiful. Um, now, there is the book, but there's something underneath. I think it's a bookmark. Let's have a look. Oh, my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, we have here, I think it's wooden, a Hamilton bookmark. Now, there are going to be people in my family that are going to fight me for this bookmark. So this may be the last time you ever hear from me. Um, but it says on one side, there's a million things I haven't done. Oh. And on the other side, there's a million books I haven't read. Just you wait. Oh, if you haven't watched Hamilton, you, you need to. And don't just watch it once. Watch it many times because it, it just gets better and better. What an incredible bookmark. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And then underneath, what else have we got? We've got... Um, oh, is this from Dune? It's like it's like a mini bookmark but a series of photographs i have got june, june to uh listen to, to again the book because I, I need to get back into that um then there is like a postcard from the author so then you have like this pink pull-up bag with lit joy crate on it um and uh let's open it up lit joy crate da, 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 da. and it is the book is the Love Curse of Melody McIntyre. Mm -mm -mm. The truth is I'd do anything to make the spring musical go perfectly, even swear off love. Please tell me this is about Hamilton. No. Ah, that's a shame because anything about Hamilton might be right into it. But anyway, Melody um, McIntyre, stage manager extraordinaire, has a plan for everything. Lead actor, need a breath mint? She's on it. Comet relief, buster seam? Mel's sewing kit is at the ready. Not only is her plan A foolproof, she's got a plan B and a plan C because actors can be total fools. What doesn't she have? Success with love. Every time she falls for someone during rehearsals, both the romance and the show end in catastrophe. So Mel swears off love until the upcoming production of Les Mis is over. Of course, Mel didn't count on Odile Rose, rising star in the acting world, auditioning for the spring production. And she definitely didn't expect her to be sweet and funny and care as much about the play's success as Mel, which means that Melody McIntyre's only plan now is trying desperately not to fall in love. Well, that sounds like a very nice, enjoyable book. I'm I'm intrigued. I mean, to be honest, a Hamilton bookmark has won it for me. And you certainly get different things to some of the UK book boxes. Um, 
but it's not as oh my goodness stop the clocks incredible as i thought it was going to be and i thought it was um there were hobbit connections with this one clearly got that wrong so it's it's a good one it's different things to some of the other book boxes i've opened um but would i do it again i'm i'm not sure the excitement was more than than what I got but maybe I need to go through and work out what all these items are so if I put the book back down there let's get the list and then we can see exactly what's what um, Hamilton Woodmark yes got that right um, Lunar Chronicles mini teacup and saucers so it's not Disney at all what, what am I talking about Lunar Chronicles of course uh, look closely at the star constellations and you'll see elements inspired by the characters ah um, the handles on the teacups were hand-painted. Lovely. Hand-wash only. Ah, and I do like things you can put in the dishwasher. But, hey. The Mortal Instruments Coffee Scoop. Okay, so um, it's got a quote from Clary in the Mortal Instruments series who requests her coffee black like her soul. Sure, she's a little over the top, but honestly, who doesn't enjoy a little drama now and now and then? The scoop is almost seven inches in length, made of stainless steel. Hand wash only is recommended. See, it doesn't say why it's got this clip on the side. Maybe they all do and I've just missed it. June photo strips. Got that. Emma clipboard and notepad. OK, well, that's lovely. It's all based on Emma. Emma is feisty, proud, clever and pretty and we can't help but admire her confidence, even when it does stir up drama. We're excited to feature Emma's quotes with some beautiful calligraphy art. Well, I didn't see that. Shall I open it now? OK, sorry. I, I, I just hate all this noise of unwrapping, but let's go with it. Let's open up the clipboard. And see what joy that we have. So it's like a pink clipboard with flowers on. Oh, and I see. So the, the paper has the flowers on that match. But actually on the clipboard itself, it says, I always deserve the best treatment because I never put up with any other. Emma Jane Austen. I think that's very nice. And I like the fact that there are drawings on the pad that you can attach to it that mirror the drawings on the clipboard. So that's not that's nice. Um, so then we've got that. What else? Riverdale fuzzy socks. Of course, of course, we love the gang at Riverdale High and the drama that comes along. Navigating life at school and at home, Archie and his friends bring a level of drama that could rival any drama club. And that's precisely why we can't look away. OK, so there's a whole bit of information about the author of the book, Robin Tully, and um, about how it's a custom edition. What makes it a custom edition? I'm looking again. Sorry, I'm going to pick the book up. I don't know. I don't know what makes it. I'm hopeless. This isn't my usual level of service, is it? And they used to be, you know, often you get a side. Oh, and it is signed. Oh, that is signed. I take it all back. Well, I think that's lovely. It's not as gobsmackingly, oh my goodness, I have to get this every month. Particularly now with the, um, the you know, we've got extra VAT, I believe, on things that are coming into the UK. So that's just something to ha have a think about. Oh, and what did it say about the scrunches? I'm really sorry for the noise again, but I've got to find what information they've given on the scrunches because clearly I've got that wrong as well. So we've got the socks, Emma clipboard, mini scrunches. Oh, and this is from something called Anna and the French Kiss. Oh, well, that's why. That's why there's the Eiffel Tower on it. Well done, Philippa. Um, 
And then what you can do with LitJoy is when they email you to say, right, the, the sort of the box is ready, you can actually go on and purchase optional add-ons, which I didn't do because I think, you know, these things cost enough money. Um, but something that I was interested in but didn't do it is the Narnia Literary Location Enamel Pin. Um, which I'm sure would have been beautiful. And I love the idea of them, but I never get to wear enamel pins. So, uh, I, yes, um, you could also choose a pin design sticker sheet and an apothecary candle or a set of soup bowls. So, as I say, interesting, um, but I've not been bowled over with that one. So I think, I don't think I'm going to do it again. But still, it's lo lots of fun opening it. Um, I am intrigued by the socks and the scrunches and everything. And the Hamilton bookmark, I think, is a winner. So there we go. Well, thank you so much for listening. Sorry it's gone on so long. But we've covered a lot of books, a book box unopening, great author interview. Well, and of course, I'm going to say this, but next week I have some great books and a great author interview. I can't wait. So uh, take care of yourselves and I'll talk to you again very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.